0: This morning, what I want to be able to do with you for a few moments on this Canada Day weekend is share a little bit. So those of you that are visiting today, share a little bit of what's transpired in our church community and why we need to celebrate our freedom and talk about the good things that God is doing. Back in March of this year, uh, we were in a series called Simple Faith. It's not that complicated, but it's hard. Sermon on the Mount. And I was actually preaching a message on the particular Sunday about loving our enemies, and we didn't know in God's scale of economy and timing how critical that message would be to our future as a church. Because just prior to that message, there was an outbreak, an uprising in Lahore, Pakistan. And those of you that had watched the news, you'll remember that a little part of that city called Josephtown was the result. They were victimized by violence and mob mentality. 178 families lost their homes, all of their furnishings, clothing, everything destroyed. Two churches were burned out. And it was just a devastating experience for them. And through a conversation with John Gill, John, I think I saw you back over here in my left. There he is at the back. John is president of Canadian Christian Association, gives great leadership to that organization, primarily working with Pakistani immigrants coming into Canada, But through a conversation, we began to talk about what would an appropriate response be to a very urgent need. And so as a church community, as I wrapped up that message on that Sunday morning, I talked about the need for us to love our enemies. That's what Jesus calls us to do. And many of you will never forget the image of some of those people, protesters on the screen, and we prayed for them. We prayed that God's grace and His truth would touch their heart and lives. But in addition to that, your compassion and generosity as a church community, you gave over $33,000 out of the depth of your hearts to say, let's bless our brothers and sisters that have just lost everything. Well, we didn't quite know how to put all of this together. So I'm going to show you a little bit of a video footage of what took place first and then I'm going to walk you into the story and report back. And you're going to see, number one, why I love the country we live in. Number two, why we need to be a country that prays for the countries of the world. And I want to thank you for your giving and your generosity. So this morning, let's go to the report. Terror and violence has continued in Pakistan where crowds ransacked and torched a Christian neighborhood in the eastern city of Lahore. The unrest erupted Friday night after a Christian man was accused of committing blasphemy, a crime punishable by death in the country. Police took the man into custody in an attempt to classify the mob. Hundreds of Christian families fled the area overnight fearing for their safety. The scene is surreal. It's something you'd expect to see if this was a war or mob violence taking place, but it's not what you'd expect to see just over the simple cause of religious differences. And this outbreak of violence that devastated 178 families left them with nothing. Now, international pressure was high when this took place. And those of you back in March, you'll remember that when we talked about this, if you watched the paper, the pressure from the international community forced really a response out of the Pakistani government to do financial compensation to the families. But if you're a Christian in Pakistan, you're part of 1.5% of the population. You are the poorest of the poor in most regards. And even the money you're about to receive from the government is probably going to be taxed before you receive the payout. So what you receive is not going to replace what you've lost. So 178 homes, families displaced, churches are burned out. And it was out of this response that we stepped up together with CCA. And I can just tell you that there was a wonderful outpouring of love and generosity that would impact this this region. As we gave the money, there was no expectation on my part that we would do any more than that. I thought we would partner with CCA and their leadership team and we would leave it there and we would move forward and just continue in our prayers and see God do a great work. But it is in conversation that last year, Dr. Jamil Nazir was here as a guest speaker at our church. He was appointed by the CCA to become the person on the ground in Lahore to help coordinate a response, a proper response. So working with the groups over there and working with the groups in Canada, and primarily I want to speak about our response with CCA, he would work to become our point person to best determine how could we respond and bring the kind of help that this community really needed. What would be the best way to invest the resources? And so we had a relationship where we could trust the connection and we knew that the best response was going to take place. Well, as that was all unfolding over that March period of time and we were moving in towards the month of May, I got a phone call from John Gill and John asked me, he said, Pastor Doug, would you be interested in going to Pakistan? Now, that wasn't on my destination dream list, I'll be honest with you. I was actually in Mexico. I was going to be in Mexico coming back from a destination wedding and this trip was going to take place two days on the back end of that trip. And as we talked about it, I felt it was imperative that I go to actually see what it was we were going to be doing as a church and to be able to report back to our church community, here's what we did. And not only that, to be able to go over and to be on the ground to give encouragement to our brothers and sisters. It's one thing to do it from a distance. It's another thing to be in their presence and say, we care about you. We love you. We're praying for you. So I was honored to have the invitation to be asked to go over. So I said, John, let's go. Set it up and we'll figure it out. So we, we got on the ground and we made arrangements to fly. Now, I'm setting this up very intentionally. It was our design that we would fly into Pakistan very secretly, covertly, that we wouldn't raise a lot of attention, bring attention to myself. After all, I am a tall white man coming from Canada. I'm not going to blend in. You all know that, right? I'm not going to be one of those guys that go, oh, I think he fits here. So knowing that there is unrest, knowing they're in a civic election, just a number of sensitivities, we thought, well, if we move in discreetly, we can see what we were doing, bless the people, respond. They invited me to go over and participate in a wedding ceremony, and the majority of our donation would be used to replace the lost dowries, and we would have one ceremony, 16 couples, 16 brides getting married, and we'd be able to bless them and I thought well that'd be a lot of fun how many of you have been to a wedding 16 at one time I did I'm gonna show you that in just a moment and uh, John had a chance and I think uh, Dr. David Charles you're in the room as well it's good to have you here this morning so we had a chance to go and to be a part of that now we thought we'd go in as I mentioned just under the radar so we didn't tell a lot of people here I told some of my key staff a couple of key elders and I said pray for us pray for our safety We'll go in, we'll come back, and we'll do it over Mother's Day weekend, and I'll come back and report to the church. What we didn't know is by saying, yes, that we would go over, that Dr. Nazir would have some other plans for us. And he thought, if you're bringing guests from Canada, why not use them in a number of different venues? And he wasn't so worried about whether it was discreet or not. So I'm going to take you on a little road trip that I didn't know I was about to have along with John Gill. So the very first day we arrived in there, we had some meetings together and we attended a church which was a satellite of the Church of Pentecost, which is led by Dr. Nazir. And so that night we walked into a service where there were 800 people in attendance, packed into this small little room in this wonderful part in Lahore, Pakistan. Just to give you by way of understanding on the far left as we look at the screens this morning, this is the pastor from the satellite community, next to him is Obaid Chaudhry, he's part of Canadian Christian Association. Tall guy in the middle, you, I think you know him, John Gill is on the right, and of course at the very right-hand edge of our screen this morning, that's Dr. Jamil Nazir. He was here last year to preach and he did an outreach to the Urdu community. And he was our point of contact as we we were there. The service that night was incredible. Eight hundred people were packed into this small room. They blessed us. The worship that was there. They were waiting for hours for us to arrive, and you can just see the response. Their hearts were full when it was time to praise and to pray. They immediately responded. This just gave me a different appreciation what we see here in the news and what's taking place in reality what we hear is often not what you actually witness god's church is alive and well in pakistan and here is one of our sister congregations yeah they honored us they had the traditional throwing of the flower petals and that's that beautiful they take the flower petals and they throw them they're supposed to throw them up over your head you know, normally, and they would fall down on your hair, right? I'm six foot two. That means they're in my face walking in. You know, John had a little more of the soft landing. I was getting peppered by flower petals. And then the kids came up and did a presentation on the platform, and they really honored us. This is the pastor bringing greetings and thanking us for attending, being a part of the church expression that night. We had the privilege to pray for people. If I could sum up my trip, you see the eyes of this little girl? She's got that look on her face like, who is this white giant? But in my world, I just had this, look, that spoke to me of the innocence of the heart of the people who are following Jesus in Pakistan, the expectation, the longing, and the joy. Wonderful, wonderful opportunity of ministry that we had there. We had a chance to pray with people, and just hundreds of people remained for prayer. They wanted us to pray for the sick that were back in the homes out in the, the back alleyway. So we just had a great evening. Got back, we had a little bit of rest. John will tell you, we went, you know, thinking we'd go back, we'd get a good night rest and move on. Over the time span that we spent, the four days, the three nights, we slept on average of three and a half hours a night. Our schedule was that full, and they kept us moving. And so pure no jet lag, we were overtired. We were just on adrenaline. So great, great experience. Well, the night was okay, you know, not really discreet, but still off in a part of the city and a wonderful chance to meet the people. Well, the next day, we're going to go to Sunday morning church. Saturday night, as I'm going back to the hotel, Dr. Nazir says, uh, Pastor, I'd like you to preach tomorrow. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. We'll preach. Not on my agenda, but that's all right. We can, we can load up. We'll get ready to go. So Sunday service at the Church of Pentecost, they were going to pick us up by car, drop us off. We were supposed to go to a park where they meet. So it's a public park. They put carpets out on the floor, put a big tent top over top, And the people gather. So here's a little bit of a snapshot of what would take place. We were going to have a formal welcome that we didn't know was coming. There was going to be the presentation of some of the household goods to two of the couples that were already married. So, of the 18, two had been married before we arrived. There was going to be the presentation of the rickshaws that were being donated through the other donors towards the project. And then 3,000 people. Nice small gathering, discreet in the city. So again, I thought, well, here we go. Let me show you what took place. The banners were up, honoring uh, Canadian Christian Association for the work that they did. And as we got there, we were driving along, and I saw this carriage. We're in the car together, and I went, look at the carriage. That's fascinating. So I'm pulling out my iPhone. I want to get an iPhone picture so I can show Laura and some of my friends. And I'm taking pictures. We're actually outside of the car, and I'm taking pictures, asking people to move. And one of them said, no, you're riding in that. I said, I'm what? They said, oh yeah, you're riding in that. So they loaded all of us up into the carriage, and this is a way of formal welcome and honoring us as guests in the area. Again, not quite my idea of discreet, but, you know, willing to work with whatever. So here we are. <laughs> Dr. Charles David, we're on one side, and John and Obaid, they're on the other side, and we're on, it gets better, hang on. Uh, so we're on our way towards the church service, Now, if you thought that was discreet enough, they put a couple of drummers, a few flute players, and pipers and kids leading us through the city towards the park. And everybody is looking. And I'm the white guy. And here I am traveling through. But again, um, absolutely humbled. Humbled by the hospitality of the people here. So this is us making our way in. Yeah, that's nice. I got an O out of that one. That was beautiful. There it gets better. See, I told you. Now, two things. With with full respect to the Pakistani community, when they honor a dignitary, they honor a guest, they put formal traditional headdress on, and that's one of the greatest ways of giving honor to the guests. And so with deep appreciation, I received that. But you notice the head size is not quite matched... I am spatially challenged when it comes to wearing certain types of headdress, so I'm trying to keep this all balanced in. This is also, I just want to state this, this is also payback for my childhood years when missionaries would come and show me the pictures and i go, why did those missionaries dress up like that? This was God waiting for the day to go payback to go, you're dressing up, Doug, here you go. But uh, again, we were treated like royalty, really was an honor. Uh, in the center is Rosemary. That's uh, Do- Dr. Nazir's wife and, of course, uh, Pastor Nazir in the center there and their son. And so they led us into the service that morning. When he got in, he brought introduction and greeting to the church congregation. There is a picture of the crowd that had already been waiting. I think it was around two and a half hours by this point, And the music and the singing. And we think, you know, an hour and 15 is long. So here they are and shots of the crowd. And it continued to fill out the back and around the sides as we were there. Uh, Worship was tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Just a joyful noise. We had a chance to bring the Word of the Lord, so I had a chance to preach to the congregation, give an altar call, and just hundreds of people responding. Just seeing the Spirit of the Lord in that place. And I just want to... I was there on your behalf. This wasn't for me. I was there for Portico. And I just have to tell you, as a church family, our outreach and the impact we're making, God was using what we did in a mighty way and just fabulous to be there represent you. Just some of the different scenes of the people. And you just see the hunger for the Lord. We had a chance at the end of the service to be able to pray with people, and they just crowded around the front. And the Spirit of the Lord and His presence was there, just in a powerful, powerful way. At the end of the service, they had a chance to make presentations. These are two of the motorized rickshaws that I mentioned in cooperation with a few of the other agencies were presented. Those who had actually lost their rickshaws were replaced. And one of the things I discovered is those machines, those are, are income, they earn their income from this, but they will be going 24 hours a day. Three different drivers, eight-hour shifts, the three different families will benefit and earn their income from this. So this was a vital donation of restoration. So having lost everything, the owner, of course, in the center of the screen there in the light-colored outfit, uh, you can only appreciate what it would mean to him to see Churches and communities of concerned people respond in such a a tangible way. I talked about the wedding dowries. So our main part that we played was to provide wedding dowries. So rather than just replacing the cash, as we worked with the CCA and, of course, the Church of Pentecost, what they felt would be most important was to actually buy the furniture that a wedding dowry would go towards. So they bought living room furniture, bedroom furniture, storage furniture, wash machines, all of the furniture that would be necessary to outfit the beginning of a home. And at one point during our weekend there, I asked an individual, I said, for a couple who is getting married, what does this represent for them? Because I know that they're impoverished and they're in the low part of the income scale. For a couple who's getting married, what this would represent is 8 to 10 years of saving to buy furniture. So our community here replaced wedding dowries, purchased furniture, and 18 couples had their homes fully outfitted so they could start a new life together and not have to wait for eight to ten years. This is the presentation to one of the couples that was married just before we arrived sitting in the center. And then a little bit later, the next couple standing next to me, a real quick story here. The the grandmother on the very far left-hand side, during the presentation at the end of the service, she came running to the front. She was weeping, just sobbing, and and expressing something that I wanted to hear, what she was saying. And they informed me that when she got to the very front of the room, that the bride who was married now, that her mother, both her mother and father, had passed away. First her father, then her mother. The chances of her ever saving enough for a dowry to be married was negligible. She was taken in by her grandparents, her grandfather passed away, and now her grandmother was trying to do her best to raise her. And if you don't get married, there's a good chance you end up either in prostitution or you may be forced into a Muslim marriage, and the hope for her faith and her future is lost. This grandma was grabbing my hands and weeping and trying to express the deepest gratitude for people who would love enough, to give enough, to rescue her granddaughter. And because of what we did together as a church, this girl was able to get married, and she now have a life to live. And the grandma just didn't have words to say, you've saved my granddaughter. And so I just want to say thank you for your generosity. You did that, and that woman was just expressing to us her appreciation. Again, two more pictures of the rickshaws. Another one of the owners receiving uh, the keys to the rickshaw here and then just uh, appreciation that was expressed by the couples. Well, after uh, Sunday morning, we had finished the service, and of course, it was a full morning, and Pastor Nazir said to me, he goes, I'd like you to help me with a water baptism. And I was thinking again, now, you've seen how we've not been discreet to this point. And I'm thinking, I am now in a nation where water baptism has taken this to a new level, and even talking with John, we were talking about, you know, is this, you know, what should we do? And So I said, well, you know, let's just go and we'll see. We'll make a decision. Now, I'm in, you know, we're in a full suit. It's like 45 degrees, and it's a great weight loss program. And we're now driving off towards a water baptism surface. When we got there, it was inside of a compound, so I knew we were in a Christian compound. We were going to be in a safe place to do this, and I thought, okay, I can participate. And, you know, talking back and forth, John, I said, well, I'll go take my picture with a few people. And then we'll go back to the hotel, we'll get changed, we'll get ready for the wedding ceremony. That's why I was there, after all. And uh, so we get over there, and what I didn't realize is that Dr. Nazir, Pastor Nazir, didn't have anybody else to help him. So he turns to me, and he goes, no, 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 Pastor, you don't understand. I need you to do the water baptism. I said, well, do we have anybody else? And he goes, no, just me and you. And I said, I only have my suit on like I don't have a change of clothes to to do the baptism and he goes well that's okay we'll go in just like this and I said well will I have enough time after the water baptism to go to the hotel before the wedding he goes yeah we'll get you back to the hotel no problem so it's it's now around two o'clock in the afternoon I'm pulling my shoes my socks I'm taking off my belt my wallet I'm thinking well nice suit it's gone it's gonna shrink so I walked down. I'm going to show you. What I didn't know is we were about to baptize 419 people. So here's what we had. And it begins. There I go. So I walk in, and we walk in, like you can see, barefoot, but we walk in with our suits and everything. We start Sunday afternoon, and it's around 2 o'clock. For the next two and a half hours... That's all I did, was baptize people. Let me show you some of the pictures. It was absolutely spectacular. And to hear their stories and to watch the looks and expressions and the applause from the people that were there, just open to what God was doing in their heart. At one point during the water baptism ceremony, one of the ladies stopped, and she stopped Pastor in his ear, and she started talking to him. And then he spoke to me and she said, she wants you to know her story, that Jesus revealed Himself to her and she gave her life to Jesus and she was a Muslim and she's now a follower of Jesus and she is privileged to be baptized by you as a guest from Canada today and I'm thinking no 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 I'm privileged just to be able to baptize her and story after story after story took place of those water baptisms so by the time we're done uh, the funny little anecdote here John and I we finished you know, he disappeared on me, by the way. John uh, stood loyal and strong right until it started to rain, and then he left, and I'm out baptizing in the rain. But he was looking after my belt and my wallet, so I appreciate he did that. But uh, we finally we got back, and they said, well, you need to go back to the hotel and rest and get something to eat, because we haven't eaten now. And so we get back towards the end of the afternoon. And so John and I had a real quick bite to eat and get back up. And John says, you need to go lay down and just get a little bit of rest. And I'm just about to rest. He knocks on the door and they said, oh, we just got a call. We're leaving in 20 minutes. Sure we are. Let's go. No sense sleeping now. So we, you know, changed our suits. We got a different suit on. So we get ready for the wedding ceremony. I was not expecting. I I, I was thinking a wedding ceremony, 16 couples, a little bit kind of like this people in the room together, I wasn't prepared for what I was about to see. Now, again, you can see that our plans, we really did sincerely plan to go in quietly, discreetly, and then come back home again. Well, that's all been shot out of the water. It's gone. So now we go to the wedding, and the wedding ceremony gets better because at the wedding ceremony, they have the local TV station coverage. So they got civic elections, and they got Doug and John in the CCA. So it's kind of cool. And we're going to do one ceremony. We're going to do 16 couples, and we're going to have 8,000 people. That's how many people would be there. So let me show you some of the pictures now. We got there. This was spectacular. You see the carpets on the floor and the fabric that lined. They took the entire perimeter of an outdoor courtyard, lined it with fabric coverings, carpets all the way across, assembled all of the furniture that all the couples were going to get. So picture that the entire perimeter of the meeting area is Filled with furniture that has been donated to each one of the couples that we have given in partnership with CCA to make this happen. So, here the volunteers are working all afternoon to get everything set up. And all the way around the outside of the perimeter, you can see the furniture that is there. And just again, I can't even fathom what it would be like for a young couple to walk in and go, That's all ours. We're all covered. And cared for That night we arrived. We got there, I think it was around 8.30 or a quarter to, uh, quarter to nine that night. Each of the couples that would arrive, there would be singing and dancing and celebration, all of the festivities and the customs that would go with it. They would have the costumes, the bridal gowns, all the dress. Each of the family would come into the main area. Here are all the brides all waiting for the service. We had the honor of escorting them up onto the platform where their grooms were waiting for them. Here they are lined up just before we started the processional. Here are the groomsmen. There the, are the the grooms waiting for their brides. The guy in the end actually looks a little worried, like he's marrying all sixteen. <laughs> but we assured him it's only one. You get one, and then you get to go home. But they were just again. It was just a great evening. And here they are lined up just before they go up onto their place on the platform that night. Um, Again, just a shot of us as guests in the country with the host pastor just uh, talking to us about the evening and the presentation. Here's some of the shots of the crowd and just the joy and the celebration. Remarkable for them to be participating. The, The platform was done up, again, spectacular. Beautiful carved wood, beautiful chairs, flowers all the way up, lighting, videography. They did everything. They made this such a special day. And uh, what I really deeply appreciate is the Church of Pentecost with Pastor Nazir, he wanted to make sure that it reflected the heart of what we were doing to make this a special day, and they just went over the top. Some of the guests that were a part of the night there to be able to share, crowd shot from the back. I had a chance to come up and bring the wedding message to the couples, to bring greeting to the entire audience there and express appreciation and how much we're supporting them, we're with them. this is when uh, Pastor Nazir, of course, was doing the vows and officiating the actual uh, committal part of that ceremony, the different family members that were there seated that night. We had a beautiful night, no rain. Uh, Again, just a wonderful sense of celebration. And the signing for each of those that were custodians of the couples, of the brides, you see they don't use pens, they use their thumb, the thumbprint. So that's what you see up here. They're using the ink to sign, do the official notarization, and every one of the couples had to be done. So we didn't actually finish the ceremony until I think it was about 11.45 when we finally left that night and the meal hadn't started. So I'm learning something about the Pakistani community now. Eat before you go and eat with them. And so that's John is John's given me a lot of insight into how I have to travel with the world here. And it, but it was a great, great experience. So that night we got back late, late at night. Then early the next morning we were up again. And uh, Pastor Nazir took us over to his church. And it's almost a church without walls in many respects. It has no roof. It's under construction. And so we had a chance to go over and visit the church that they're building and also visit one of the rooms where the adult literacy program was taking place. And I'll just show you this. This is at their property, just outside the property. We gathered to speak with the pastor. Took me into the building. You'll see this is where the eventually where their stage platform will be built. The column's in the background. It's going to be a three-story structure. This man and his wife have sacrificed everything. They've sold their jewelry. They don't have... They have a meager income that they give. They give back to the church. They rent their home. They give everything so that the message of Christ can be proclaimed. And I I was just astonished by the favor and the grace of God upon his life. We stood there in that place. You can see him just casting vision and telling me what his church was going to look like and describing the whole vision of what it would look in the future. After we were done at, on that property, there was a small room where the ladies would come together and they hold this adult literacy program. They bring ladies in, they put, a hand in their, uh, they put a Bible in their hand, an Urdu Bible in their hand, and they teach them how to read Urdu from the Bible. And it has a double benefit. They learn literacy skills, but they also learn how to read the Bible. And they end up coming to faith in Christ. And as they come to faith in Christ, they teach their children how to read, they teach their husband how to read, and they teach their parents how to read. And what ends up happening is you have this progressive evangelism that's taking place. Remarkable, remarkable program. And so after a few months, they're all skilled, able to read. They were willing to stand up, wanted to be able to read for us and honor us. And you can see uh, Pastor Nazir, I mean, just uh, great visionary leadership taking place there. We had a chance to bless them and to pray for them before we left And, of course, uh, bring encouragement from our church and let them know that in spite of what they've gone through, they're not alone. This is one shot with all of them just before we left that morning. Those ladies were so patient. They waited over two and a half hours. I mean, just because of the delays and the scheduling, we were supposed to be there much earlier, but we were just moving through our schedule, and they, they didn't want to leave until we got there. So they extended their day by another two and a half hours just for us to have a few minutes together with them. And again, um, the sense of honor I felt in my heart that they would do that. So on this day, on Canada Day, I just think of the remarkable freedom we have. Well, the last thing, then I'm going to wrap this up. The last thing that we had on the Monday night, this was all happening over Mother's Day weekend. That Monday night before we departed, we were going to leave early, early Tuesday morning. And uh, Pastor Nazir had arranged for a crusade at a community about an hour and 20 minutes outside of Lahore. Well, I figured at this point we've already blown every sense of discreet presence in the community. Why not? Let's just go to a big public crusade now. So John and I, we jumped in the cars and we drove out to the city here. And again, I was blown away by what we saw. We got into this area uh, that night where we pulled in. And this was really the first time that I had a sense of any real recognition that we're standing in a very challenging place. They had some security available for us to make sure that we were safe while we traveled with them. But I stepped out into this city, and what we saw just literally took my breath away. You're going to see some of the shots. They honored us as we came in, and they were throwing the flower petals. But the street shot, over three-quarters of a kilometer, jammed with people who had been there for hours waiting for us to come, All there for this evening crusade. And as far as you could look down the street and then down by the stage and out to the right, and here they all were just waiting for us to come in to be able to bring encouragement, bring the Word of God. Pastor Nazir gave an altar call at the end. Hundreds of people responded that night. We're in the hearts of a Muslim community. Up in the balconies all around us are people from the Muslim community listening in to the message of Christ as the singing and the preaching and the teaching was taking place. And what I found is when I was there is we have no idea of how powerful the church of Christ really is. God's church is alive and well. Wherever two or three get together in His name, you're not going to stop them. When it came, when it came time to preach, they would pray, and boy, they would pray the glory of Christ into that place. And this is an open air meeting. The other thing I want you to realize, up at the front, the front stage, that big stage that is set up for us to speak from, in behind on the wall, the concrete wall, were the words from the Quran. And I couldn't get over that. I'm standing in front of the words of the Quran that were emblazoned on the wall, and here we are in front of it, preaching Christ to the community, and people are responding and listening to the message of Jesus Christ. And so when you pray, this is what's taking place. And remember to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. Again, just different shots of the crowd and a great, great experience. So we had a chance at the end of the night to pray, pray over people and just minister to them. This is probably one of those pictures that I'll come away with and never forget. This will describe for me the ministry in Pakistan. Hearts are open. They're hungry for the presence and the Spirit of Christ. Hands are lifted up in prayer, and they are strong and vibrant in their faith. They have nothing, but they have everything because they have Christ. And so when I had that chance to be able to pray with them and be a blessing to them, that impression is always going to be deep in my heart. And I just want you to know you're part of this because of your generosity and what we did together. This last photo here, um, just me praying for the crowd before we left. But right here, I want to just take a minute, and then I'm going to wrap this up together. When we arrived at the uh, crusade that night, we were greeted, of course, by our host pastors and the delegates that were going to lead us down to the front. But over to my left was a man who was dressed in blue, an adult man. And there was a little conversation. And amid all of the activity that was taking place, and there's this energy and music and vitality and life, and then all of a sudden this grown man just begins to weep, to sob, And I didn't know, I mean, didn't understand the language, couldn't understand what was taking place. And as we're making our way down through the crowd, I'd ask, I said, what was happening, what happened with this man that he was so upset? And I was informed that that gentleman knew that we were coming, that guests from Canada had come, that we were coming to his city that day. He spent the entire day preparing food for us. Well, because of our time schedule... We were there. It was already well after 9 o'clock at night. Our flight was just early in the morning. We had to go straight to the airport. We were going back, get our bags, go to the airport, fly home. They had just informed him that we could not stop at his place for the meal. And, of course, he was devastated. He was heartbroken because he had prepared that as an expression of honor to us. And I, I was all the way through that service that night. I was feeling so bad for this gentleman. I thought, oh, this man has sacrificed so much for us. Wouldn't there be any way for us to respond? Well, we're getting out of the service that night, and we're getting into the cars, and as we're in the car, Pastor Nazir turns to me, and he goes, he looks at his watch, and he goes, do you think we have two minutes that we could stop at his house? Now, in Pakistan, there are no two minutes. As there are in Canada at Portico, there's no two minutes. And I knew that when he said two minutes we 're in for a little bit of a journey, looked at my watch and John said yeah let 's go let 's do this." So we drove out into the farthest part of that city we 're driving down there 's no street lights it 's pitch black, and they 're sort of winding their way out and At this point, I have no idea i 'm just totally entrusted in the hands of our hosts. We get out of the car it, I mean you can 't see a thing. One man pulls out his phone, so we have the light of a cell phone, and we 're walking you know down through the back streets and i 'm thinking i 'll never see Laura again that 's where I am. <laughs> And uh, at least John can tell her where it was that he last saw me. So we're working our way out. They finally get to a compound, and there's this barricade at the door. They knock on the door, and they open up, and we walk in. Well, somebody had called him, and there he was with his family and his friends. And he's just radiating. Well, he's a gentleman uh, just on the edge of the screen there in the blue, right behind the pastor Nazir. You can see him there. He's just Beaming with joy because we made our way there. They quickly escort us into this little room and they start bringing plate after plate after plate. I went, I'm in heaven. Food was coming into this room in such special ways. The great thing about it was I had no idea what we were eating. We had an iPhone trying to cast light across the meal table. And I'm looking at John and go, what am I eating? I don't know. Well, let's just eat. So that's what we do. And of course, you don't ask. You pray, you bless it, and you just keep eating. Well, 45 minutes later, two minutes, 45 minutes later, we walk out so that the next group can go in and eat. And I walk out in the courtyard, and immediately there's a little bit of activity, and they said, Pastor Doug, would you, would you do the honor of dedicating a baby for this couple? And I said, yeah, I'd be honored to do that. And they said, no, there's a story to this. said, yesterday when you were doing the water baptism, this woman was baptized. So you baptized her. She would like you to dedicate their baby. I said, oh, I'd be privileged to do that. I thought, what a great way on Mother's Day weekend to finish my trip. And uh, so I was about to do that. They said, no, no, there's another story. So I'm learning. There's always a story behind a story. And I said, okay, what's the next story? And they go, they weren't supposed to have children. So a little over a year ago, they were informed by the doctors, you'll never have children. And they went to their church and they shared it with their pastors and everybody got together and they prayed over them. And they prayed that God would bless them and God blessed them with a baby boy. So here we stood in the courtyard of this home. I held in my hands a miracle child and I dedicated him to the Lord with the husband and the wife and along with Pastor Nazir. And I thought, God, what a great way to summarize what had been a horrific act of criminal activity against a church to see the grace and mercy and the glory of God poured down into a little community like this and to bless them before we departed. So on behalf of the leadership here at the church, I just want you to know what you did was remarkable. Your generosity made a difference. And when we give hope every day, when we give to missions here, and you hear me give you a call to give over and above, these stories are happening all around the world. And I want to say thank you for being a part of blessing people like this. And thank you for your prayers. Many of you pray for us all the time. Now you know. Sometimes you don't even know what we're up to. That was part of what we were able to do over that Mother's Day weekend. So here we are in Canada today, living in a place of freedom. And aren't you glad that in our freedom we get a chance to worship God, but in our freedom we get a chance to partner with CCA and other great organizations and to bring a response. So I want you to stand together. And I know that we're not done. Duane, come on out here. And uh, we got a couple of more things just before we dismiss this morning. And we have been worshiping together, praying together. I just want to pray over you before we wrap everything up this morning. And let's pray together that we would use the freedom that God has given us, not just to use it upon ourselves, but use the freedom, the blessing, the resource, and all the privilege and responsibility that we have to make this world a better place. Amen? So, God, that's what we prayed this morning. We thank you that we had a chance to bless those people in Joseph Town, our brothers and sisters who experience such trauma, to see the look of joy, the vibrancy, the life on their face, to know that we have been able to make a difference. And in some small way, there's such a great need out there, but every time we respond, Father, life and grace and truth and mercy come out. So may You bless every one of those 18 couples. May their futures be filled with generations of followers of Jesus Christ. And I pray that the witness of Christ, as strong and powerful as it was that we witnessed, it would continue to reach just the thousands and the millions of people who are living in darkness waiting to hear there's hope in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the privilege we have of being a church community that can rally together to make a difference. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.